I want to finish up if it's his help. Uh, and I know he will tonight. If you all will pray real hard, we can give you what the Lord has given us tonight. In Luke chapter 22, I think it'd be good to read the verse again. If you find your place, let's stand, starting at the 54th verse this evening. The Bible says they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beholding him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, listen, others saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. Do you notice how his wording has changed? I can hear the frustration. Sin will make you get frustrated. And about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crowed. The Bible goes on to say in verse 61, The Lord turned and looked upon Peter and Peter remembered the words of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, you know what we need here tonight. And God, as we visited this scripture today, I'm following your leadership. And Lord, I pray that you help us uh, open our ears of hearing and our hearts of understanding that we may receive from your word tonight. Use us for a few moments, Lord, this weak vessel, Lord, that your word can go out and penetrate with the heart of your people. God, we love you and we thank you for this time of reading your word. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. He says there in the latter part of 61, How he said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice, which means three times. And Peter knew it to be the truth because the Bible says he went away weeping bitterly. This morning we taught and preached on the thought as the Lord give us living at a distance. And tonight I want to follow up with that and talk about living at a distance as, as people of God. I talked about how fear can make us live at a distance with the Lord. As people of God, we allow the devil to rob us and keep us away from the things of God just out of fear. And fear is not of God. Fear is of the devil. God is perfect love and there's no fear in living for him. Now, I fear the Lord. It ain't because I'm afraid he's going to strike me dead any minute. I fear him because of his holiness and who he is and I want to serve him and I don't feel worthy of it but I'm glad that his son's blood is upon my life and that makes me worthy to serve him. 
Not only to serve him, it makes me worthy to worship him, amen. I can lift up holy hands and bless the Lord. Why? Because I'm worthy of it through the blood of the Lamb. There's no good in me, but there's good in the Lord. And any good you get out of this tonight, it'll be because of the Lord. I stand in a fearful place tonight because I fear a holy God. One day after a while, I'll have to give an account of this very message. And I want to do the best I can to tell you, we don't need to be afraid, but we need to love the Savior. We need to live for the Savior and live Listen to what he wants to do in our lives, amen? So you don't have to live in fear. Number two, we live at a distance because we doubt our faith. We doubt our faith. Uh, so many Christians I talk to down the way, how many said the devil, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of the devil ever told you you ain't even saved? You ain't even born again. Why, you just made that up. It's all in your head. Oh, you're just going on your feelings. You ain't really saved. Remember who you are. Remember what you was. Remember what you done. And we listen to that and we'll doubt our own faith that we've trusted the Lord for our personal Savior. And because we doubt our faith, then we start backing up and we start living at a distance. We feel like God can't do nothing in our life because we don't have the faith. But let me tell you something. Every man, when he's born again, is given a measure of faith. A measure of faith. It's just like going out and buying a pack of seeds. We go out and buy a little measure of seed when we want to plant something in a garden. And we got hopes that that seed is going to produce. And we go out and we put that seed in the ground and we begin to nurture that seed and water that seed and fertilize that seed. And all of a sudden, something comes up and it starts bearing good fruit. That's just like the Lord. When we got born again one day, he dropped his seed in our life, amen. And as we begin to grow in the Lord, he begins to germinate that with his Holy Spirit. He begins to cultivate the ground and all of a sudden things begin to move in our life. You start growing in the Lord. You want to read God's word. You want to pray about God's word. You want to pray for people. You want to help people. That's the evidence that you're born again, amen. The Bible says you've known that you've passed from death unto life. Why? Because you love the brethren. Amen. We need to put the devil in his place when he comes bringing the doubt in our life and telling us how we ain't born again. We know those that are born again are born of God's love. That's what the Bible says. If you hate people and you're always against people, you're trying to do the evil deeds against people and do the evil of this world, I'm gonna tell you right now, you're not born again, amen. You're born to this old world. You come down to an altar, you made a mouth confession, but not a heart confession. There's a big difference. I've seen the altar calls go out, and a lot of people start coming, especially when we were permitted back when I was a young boy. I was with a quartet, and we'd go to high schools, and when they'd let us sit up and sing, and the pastor would go with us, and we'd hold services right in the gymnasiums. I've seen them come 250 at a time, but a lot of them will come popping uh, bubble gum and grinning from ear to ear. They were just coming because their buddy come, or their girlfriend came, or something like that, and they went down uh, on an old altar and began to pray and when they come up there was no different because they made a mouth confession and not a heart confession the Bible says if you're of a broken heart and a contrite spirit there's the working and the cultivating of the Holy Spirit of God for salvation that's how that works you don't wake up one morning and say well I'm going to go down to church and get saved today 
God don't work that way. His spirit must be striving with a man, working with a man. And when he starts doing that, it starts moving in his heart and in his life. He begins to look at his life and it makes him want to draw in and find out what this thing's about. People walk the aisle when they don't even know why they're walking the aisle, but it's the Holy Spirit drawing them to him, amen. Remember what it was like that time we got saved? The only time you can get saved, that Holy Spirit rests back there and arrested your heart and began to pull on you and all of a sudden you turned loose and you went to the Lord. Can you remember that night? I remember as an 11 year old child, it felt like his whole building was on me. I was sitting back there in that seat all the world's sin was before my eyes and before my heart. And I felt so low, I couldn't get low enough. And that preacher preached hell so hard, I thought I was on fire in the seat. And I could begin to think about, I was going to hell. I'm going to hell. I don't want to go to hell. He said, you don't have to go. And next thing I know, I was in the preacher's arms. All he said was, come. And I went. I went to the Lord. Boy, I didn't have no doubt then. Somewhere along the way, life came along. And it started dulling my senses and started causing me to back up. I started getting a little hurt from those that say they love me. I got a little hurt from those church people that said they love me. Had some preachers turn their backs on me. Boy, that hurt my heart. Had family member lie on me and this, that, and the other. That hurt. It caused me to keep backing up and all of a sudden, I started doubting my faith, doubting who I was in Christ. The Lord said, wait a minute, where are you going? I started listening to the devil. I started living my life in doubt. All that you felt last week, oh, that wasn't really real. God really wasn't in that because he knows who you really are. He knows where your heart's really at. He knows everything that you've done and you're not worthy of it. You know what? You probably ain't never been saved and you're sitting there and entertain that very thought. Here Peter has walked with the Lord and been with the Lord and seen all these things happen, been part of miracles and everything else and all of a sudden, he's put to the test. He starts backing up. You ever notice when a test comes, you can't prepare for a test Y'all remember, especially you that's still in school, they like them pop quizzes. That's just the way life is. It's a pop quiz. It'll try you right where you're at. You can't get ready for it. It happens right then. Are you ready? Are you going to doubt your faith? Are you going to doubt who you are in Christ? Verse 55 and 57 says, And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them, that was his first mistake. But a certain maid heard, beheld him and sat there at the fire by him and earnestly looked upon him and said, this man, he, he's one of them. That right there, he, he's one of them. And he got so upset, no, man, I am not one of them. He started doubting his faith. Do you realize that a few chapters before this, Jesus is telling them these things are going to happen. There's going to come a trying time. Get ready. This is going to happen. There's going to be a time you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to stand up for the God. Get ready. He's already preparing them. He's done prepared Peter for this event, and he don't even realize it. 
Do you know God has been preparing me and you ever since we come to an old-fashioned altar and said, yes, Lord, save me? The Lord began to work on you right then and start preparing you for the persecution and troubles in life that you're gonna go through. How does he do that? He does it through the man of God and the word of God. He does it through the taught word of God, through singing, through praising, through worshiping, coming to the house of God. That's how you grow in your faith, amen. Amen. Hebrews teaches us not to fail to assemble ourselves together. If you'll notice, here on Sunday mornings, we have a hard time finding a place to see it. We can't hardly park a car. But on Sunday nights, we've got plenty of room. A lot of times I've heard people say, your Sunday night crowd is your real church. And I'm not doubting anybody, but I appreciate you being here tonight. Sunday nights are some of the sweetest services we have. Sunday nights is a place where you can grow in your faith. It's a place where you won't doubt your faith. And you can hear the words of the testimonies and how our brothers and sisters are overcoming and it'll make you strong in the faith and make you grow and help you not to doubt. In James 1, 6, the Bible says this, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave on the sea, driven with the wind, tossed to and fro. Brother Aaron made a statement this morning. We ought to know who we are in Christ and what we believe. We shouldn't be driven about with every wind of doctrine. It may feel good and look good at the time, but it better line up with the word. If it don't line up with this book, you better get out of it, amen. We've all got opinions and we all got convictions, but if it don't line up with this book, it's just convictions, it's just words. It needs to come by the word of God, amen. We're all not going to agree, but the Bible says it pleased the Lord for brethren to dwell together in unity. If we don't agree, we should agree to disagree and do it in love, amen. Why? So we won't doubt. All of us want to have a good pat on the back. All of us want to be right. I don't know none of you and say, boy, I just love being wrong all the time. Man, I enjoy being wrong all the time. But man, when we're right, yes, sir, buddy, I'm right in this. We love being right. But the devil loves to get you in that place to doubt your faith. The Bible tells us over in Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which I have done to the fig tree, but also ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be done. He don't stop there. He said in verse 22, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall. The Bible says ye shall. It means you will receive them. Well, that's a life walking with God. That's a life not doubting your faith. That's, not a, that's a life not having fear in it. That's a life trusting God, walking with God, fasting after the things of God, saying, God, show me what you want in my life, and man, things are going to pick up in your life. I don't know anybody in here don't want a life like that. I want a life like that, don't you? 
I want a life where I don't fear all the time and don't doubt all the time. But can I tell you something tonight? You're going to have it happen. As long as we're in this flesh, it's going to happen. But we've got to watch for the warning signs when they're coming. And how can we do that? Stay in the book. Read the book. Study your word. Every morning, start with the word. Start in prayer. Ask God to help you. Show me, Lord, what you want out of my life so I don't doubt today. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Let's break that down for a minute. Faith is a substance. It's what you're praying about and you're hoping is going to happen. It's the substance of things hoped for. But God is at the work in the background. And what you can't see is the evidence of things that's going to happen. A life that is pleasing with God and walking after God, not fearing, not doubting, following his precious word and the plan that he set up. I'm telling you, he's about to work it out in your life if you'll trust him. It's the evidence. Well, I didn't know how in the world I was going to get my bills paid, but God paid them. Well, explain that to me. I can't explain it to you. God just done it. I'm telling you, sister, sitting back here, this, right back there in that seat, didn't know what she's going to do last week, and God came through right at the end of the week and said, watch this, and God worked it out for her. Why? Because she's just trusting God. I don't know how it's coming, but I'm just trusting God. Remember what I said this morning? Well, you don't know where it's coming from? Just thank him anyhow. God, I thank you that you're going to answer prayer. God, I'm sick in my Bible, in my body. They say I'm not going to make it. I've got this kidney failure. I've got cancer. I got this. I got that. But all you need to do is say, thank you, Lord. Whatever I got, I give it to you. And it'll all work out. What's the worst can happen is we die and go to heaven? Is that the worst that can happen? <laughs> to me, that's the best that can happen. Amen? We all want to stay as long as we can to be with our families. And there's no doubt about it. I know how you feel. I'm the same way. But I remember a time about three years ago laying in the hospital all by myself. Nobody could get to me in a ventilated room where they come in with blowed up suits. I thought for sure this might be the end. I said, Lord, whatever your will is, I'm ready. God said, wait a minute, I ain't done yet. (laughs) I ain't done yet. And God left me here for a reason. We've seen all these souls saved lately, baptized people, people joining the church, church are growing. God left me here just for a little while to see that. So I wouldn't doubt that I'd have faith knowing that he's still working on me to make me what I ought (laughs) Hey, to make me what I ought to be, amen. That's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to do in your life. He wants to work in your life. So have faith and trust him. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. When that doubt starts coming, The Bible says over in Ephesians, I think it is chapter 6, he said to resist the devil and he'd flee from you. You know how you do that? I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. When you speak the name of Jesus, the Bible says the demons flee. 
I'm telling you, the demons flee at the name of Jesus. Now, you may take three or four steps and wham, there's the devil again. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And you just keep on walking. You don't have to speak out all audibly like that. Sometimes I'll whisper it under my breath. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I can feel the, feel the release of it uh, leaving me. The, uh, sometimes it feels like it, all the demons of hell are gathering around me and pushing down on me. And I'll start speaking the name of Jesus. And I can feel the release. Amen. Come up on my life immediately. There's something about the name of Jesus that'll turn everything around. Don't doubt. Have faith in what God is doing in your life. There's a third thing that you don't have to live at a distance from the Lord with, and that's shame. A lot of us have shame in our life. And we've allowed this shame to take a hold of our life so bad that we will not step up for God. We feel like y'all don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I'm so ashamed of that. If anybody knowed, it'd be awful. Let me tell you what, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords knows all about it. One day we're gonna stand before a holy God and he's gonna look right at us and look straight through us because he knows everything that's went on in our life. He knows every thought we've had. He knows every intent of the heart that we've had, whether it be good or whether it be evil, he knows every bit of it. I'll tell you somebody else that's kept up with what you've been doing. That's the old slew foot devil. He knows every mistake that you've made and he's made a list of them. And it's his job to bring them up and to remind you and to shame you, to keep you from the will of God. Well, if I can just remind Todd of who he was and who he is, I'll keep him so embarrassed and ashamed, he'll never do nothing for God. That's where the Bible says resist the devil. We gotta resist the devil, and we gotta put him in his place. If it was for our good merit that we are the people of God, we'd all be in hell. It ain't because of our good merit. The only reason we're who we are is because of the cross of Calvary. That's the only reason we're going to heaven one day after a while. It's because of the price that he paid, amen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, amen. I'm ashamed of who I was. And there's times I'm ashamed of what I am, but I ain't what I'm going to be, amen. So that makes me lift up my head and say, yes, Lord, I want to do all I can for you, amen. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed, we can see there in verse 61 and two, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the words of the Lord and how that he had said unto him, behold, or before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. He remembered, and it brought shame into his life. You know, I've done a little more reading after that. Let me say this. Let me step right out here just a minute. If you read something in the Bible and it don't make sense to you, you need to back up 10 verses and read and read up to that point that you don't understand and then read 10 more after that. And all of a sudden, it'll come together and make sense to you. Another thing you need to know, you need to know who's talking, who they're talking to, and what they're talking about. That's the only way you're going to understand God's Word. Who's talking, who He's talking to, and what they're talking about and then back up and read front to back of that scripture, okay? We see right here after Peter denied, went away shameful, I wanted to know what happened. What, what, 
What did Peter do after that? He's went away bitterly. The Bible teaches that he went back a fishing. He went back to his ways. He went back and done a little fishing and got back with the boys and began to fish and do his thing. That's what shame will do for you. It'll drive you right out of the will of God. I've known good Christians, I've known good men of God get so hurt and fall in Christ, lay their Bibles down and run back after the world. I've known good men like that that's done that. But I got, you, I got good news for you. You ain't going to get away from God. Because <laughs> he said he'd leave the 99 and go after one that goes astray. You get out of the will of God, you know what starts happening? He starts taking that belt off, that spiritual belt off, and gets it ready and says, okay, are you going? Yeah, he's going, so he goes after him. I remember being a child. I've told y'all, when my dad made a whistle, I better be heading towards the house. Because if I wasn't, he was heading towards me. He was coming after that son that wasn't listening to him. Amen? God is the same way. You get out of his will, he's coming after you. But here Peter, he's, he's went back a fishing. He's doing his thing. They went out one night and they was fishing. Hadn't caught nothing. They coming up close to the shore. All of a sudden they see somebody on the shore. Have you caught anything? No, we ain't caught a thing. Well, throw your net out on the right side. This is another time besides that time he told them to throw the net over on the other side. And so that's what they did. Throwed it over. Caught this big old drought of fish and started pouring it in. And two of them disciples, besides Peter, noticed who it was. The Bible says they jumped in a smaller vessel and boom, Got that old motor started up and flew towards the bank. However they got there, I don't know how it was, but they got to the bank. Peter's like, so he brought that fish that he caught and he come to the bank and there was a fire already kindled with fish on it. Peter's in such a shape, he start naked. About here's, a, here's a man of God. He's got so far down. He, he stripped his clothes off. He's ashamed. He's as miserable as he can. And he sees who it is. He says, Lord, I'm such a sinful man. What does Jesus do? He doesn't reject him, Brother Jason. <laughs> He'd already been preparing the meal for the ones that had been astray. And got them to come in. He drawed them back in. Come on in, in, boys and eat. And he loved on them. And he cared for them there. Don't live in your shame. God is trying to draw us back when people hurt us and drive us away. Don't let that hurt take you over and draw you away from what God is trying to do in your life. You may not hold a great position or, or have big titles in this church or, or do big things as you think for God. But we're a born-again believers of God. We don't need to live in fear. We don't need to live in doubt. And we sure don't need to live in shame. We need to overcome. Every day, we overcome. It's a daily thing, overcoming for the Lord. Brother Mark, you overcame to come to church this morning. You overcame to come tonight. Guess what? You'll have to overcome to come next week. 
Why? Because the devil won't want you to do it. He'll put something in your way to try to keep you out of it. He'll try to hinder you in some way because he saw that you might do something for God like you've done this morning. You probably helped somebody in here today by the words of your testimony. The Bible says we've overcome by, by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. You don't realize how vital you are to this service tonight. I miss everybody that's not here. I wish they was all here tonight because I can look over those seats and I can see where they normally sit. And I thought, boy, they need to be here tonight. God's got a message for them because a lot of times we live our life in defeat because of shame. Now, there'll be some that's home tonight. We're home last week. Maybe didn't come this morning. Probably could have come. Now the devil's already working on them. You know that pastor's probably thinking you should have been there. Oh, you're probably right. What if Earl calls you this week? What are you going to tell him? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll watch the phone, and if I see Earl's number come up, I'll just not even pay attention. It's him. See, all of a sudden, they're starting to live in shame because they know what they're supposed to be doing. They know they're supposed to be here. They need to be under the preach word of God. They need to understand what the Lord is trying to speak to them. But yet, the devil now is going to use these things to make them ashamed. And you know what? You know how God is when they come next Sunday? If they'll be willing to worship, well, he'll bless them just like he will everybody. <laughs> he'll forgive them just like he forgives everybody. Ain't you glad that the Lord don't hold a grudge? Ain't you glad the Lord don't look at our weaknesses and our shame and go, yeah, I remember what you did last week. I remember what you thought. I remember what you were doing. I'm not going to bless you this week. I'm glad I don't serve a God like that. And my simple message to you tonight is don't live at a distance from God. Don't let your fear, don't let your doubt, and don't let shame make you live at a distance.